And Matthew 24:33 tells us, So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the door. People all over the world are witnessing things they have never seen before. The world is being turned upside down. Basic human rights are being suspended. Lives and livelihoods are being destroyed. People's incomes and careers are being taken from them. Liberal democracies have become unrecognisable. Long-established laws have been overturned by fiat. Government requires discrimination to be practised against some people. There is aggressive censorship of opposing views. There is mass psychological warfare being practised. There is public anger and brutality in the streets. There are riots and tumults all over the world. All these reveal that the final crisis has begun. It is the beginning of sorrows. All the while, powerful corporations have colluded with world leaders to extract billions upon billions of dollars from national governments, further enslaving them in debt. Is it all just a happy coincidence, an opportunity for the rich to get richer, or is there more to it? Is back soup really the cause of all of this? The centralisation of wealth and power the vast combinations for the enriching of the few at the expense of the many are leading the world into a crisis never before seen. Corruption and oppression are threatening to overturn all justice and liberty. Agencies that evil are combining their forces and consolidating. They are strengthening for the last great crisis. You see, the real issue is not the economy, it's not politics, it's not climate change, It's not racism, it's not inequality, it's not sexual abominations, it's not food shortages, it's not pestilence. These might be contributing factors, but they are not the direct cause of the tribulation that is developing. The problem is a global crisis of justice and liberty, orchestrated by unnamed agencies that have consolidated all wealth and power for this very purpose. A crisis that is now just beginning and will grow into a conflict that the world has never seen. What you are seeing is a rollout of a very carefully orchestrated effort led by powers behind the scenes that few are willing to talk about, even fewer understand and that the simple-minded refuse to accept. The US President Woodrow Wilson wrote in his book titled The New Freedom, since I entered politics I have chiefly had men's views confided to me privately. Some of the biggest men in the US in the fields of commerce and manufacturing are afraid of somebody, are afraid of something. They know that there is a power somewhere so organised, so subtle, so watchful, so interlocked, so complete, so pervasive, that they had better not speak above their breath when they speak in condemnation of it. And John F. Kennedy 
shortly before he was assassinated, said, for we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covert means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. What could be the real objective behind this hidden power in the current health crisis? Is it to acquire more power or more money? Is it a communist revolution, as some think? Or is it to evolve humanity into a godless, genetically modified transhuman? Or as many believe, is it depopulation? It is true that many people have died, and many more will die. But depopulation is not a primary goal. Its goal is to reshape human society. Listen to what the world leaders are calling for and telling you what is taking place. A recent report by the United Nations Secretary General called Our Common Agenda tells us that COVID-19 is a wake-up call and that we are at an inflection point in history. It is an omen that must not be ignored and an opportunity to change national laws and human rights that must not be squandered because if the world continues business as usual, it will risk suffering, breakdown and perpetual crisis. The president of the World Economic Forum in his book called COVID-19, The Great Reset, tells us that COVID-19 is a transformative moment for our societies and that the world will never return back to normal. It admits that COVID-19 virus is mild and is, quote, one of the least deadly pandemics in the last 2,000 years, unquote. And that, quote, COVID-19 does not constitute an existential threat or a shock that will leave its imprint on the world's population, unquote. Yet, it goes on to say that COVID-19 is a, quote, narrow window of opportunity, unquote for, quote, replacing failed institutions and processes and laws worldwide, which is the essence of the Great Reset. For example, it implies that democracy is a failed institution, saying that the voice of government should only be one voice among many and that it is not always the final arbiter. What other voice should there be regulating your rights if it's not the government. Anyway, I continue. He says that millions of companies risk disappearing and that only a few will survive. He goes on to say that this reset will take a number of years to be achieved and that it can be achieved relatively peacefully if nations acquiesce to the objectives being pushed by global planners. I wonder who they might be. But 
He warns that if the nations do not fix the, quote, deep-rooted ills of economies and societies, unquote, the reset will be imposed, quoting, imposed by violent shocks like conflicts and even revolutions, unquote. Have you heard of colour revolutions before? In an extract from a recent book titled God and the World to Come, published by Vatican News, Pope Francis is quoted as saying, the world will never be the same again. Let us all keep in mind that there is something worse than this crisis, the drama of wasting it. He continues, we cannot emerge from a crisis the same as before. We can either come out better or we can come out worse. And that the crisis must be used to build a new world order. Last month, the Pope praised politicians for setting individual freedoms aside for the common good and that we should not go back to the way things were. Most do not understand what is taking place. A psychological war is being fought. And the first casualty of war is truth. Deception is on every side. False opposing information is planted to discredit and fool the resistance about their true goals. To disorient them, to create confusion, to foster division and discord so as to divide and conquer. And to draw away the attention for what really matters in order to defeat any purpose the resistance has of stopping the evil. Yes, people are dying indiscriminately. Yes, people are getting very rich. Yes, some people's DNA to some extent is being modified. But it's not about depopulation. It's not about creating genetically modified humans. It's not about getting rich. It's not about you. It's about overturning liberty and justice. COVID is a tool for creating a new world order by overturning existing laws, by stripping away your rights and overthrowing democratic principles. By peaceful means if possible, but if not, by force. Planned over many years, the reset of society has now begun in earnest. Overnight, the world has already been transformed into something unimaginable just two years ago. But the transformation into what it will be has only just begun. Irrespective of the fact that COVID-19 is a mild disease and not very deadly, experimental injections are being mandated. Doctors and nurses worldwide have been formally threatened with the loss of their livelihoods for recommending alternative medical treatments or providing information that undermines the injections. Irrespective of the fact that the injections do not stop you catching or spreading COVID, and that most of the people who are currently dying of COVID are fully injected, and that more people have died from the injection itself already than have died from COVID, politicians and the public have been terrorised into thinking that injections must be forced on everybody for the supposed common good. The purge from society, from the top, of all those that are out of step with the global agenda began years ago. Now, the purge of the people at the bottom has begun. Nothing will ever be the same again. 
Your right to continue living your life as normal has been cancelled. Just this week, some 1,200 police officers, or about 10% of the Queensland police force, have been cancelled for refusing to be injected like lab rats. Worldwide, for the very same reason, so many thousands of nurses have been cancelled that hospitals around the world are short-staffed. So many truck drivers have been cancelled. That has caused the transport prices of food and fuel shortages in the UK. Around the world, the army is being called in to fill the places of truck drivers and nurses and police that have been cancelled. This purge will continue to expand to include all that believe in exercising their freedom of choice. After your jobs are gone, you'll be denied health care. You'll be denied access to travel. You'll be denied access to public services. You'll be denied education. You'll be denied due process and be treated like scum. The public is being induced to embrace intolerance and tyranny against all those that believe in liberty and freedom of conscience. They are being led to believe that individualism is a social evil, a virus, a cancer to be destroyed at all costs. That those that exercise their individual liberty are selfish, are ignorant and obstinate. They are considered public enemies, a threat to national security. The mindset and spirit of the Dark Ages Inquisition is being reborn. Already, many are being offended and are betraying one another and hating one another, as Jesus foretold. They persecute those that exercise their God-given right to freedom of conscience. Soon they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake, said Jesus in Matthew 24, 9. As this crisis of liberty and justice engulfs the world, anarchy will increase in response. The uprisings of the people against the encroaching evil will not succeed. There will be more sorrow, more riots, more hatred, more brutality, more injustice. The goal is to bring a new world order out of the chaos. The man of sin rejoices, but sorrow shall be upon the people. Sorrow that will increase more and more until there will be sorrow as there has never been before there was a nation. Many people have no understanding. They will be destroyed for lack of knowledge. Even the few that do understand are perplexed about how to stop what is taking place. It is already too late. What was foretold must come to pass. Those who know and reveal the truth will be silenced one way or another. As we read in Daniel 11.33, they that understand among the people shall instruct many, yet they shall fall by the sword and by flame and by captivity and by spoil many days. The crisis now before us was foretold 2,000 years ago. The Bible reveals the means by which the world would be deceived into embracing tyranny, into giving up liberty for the promise of safety. Revelation 18.23 says, For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, and for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. And the word sorceries is translated from the word pharmakia, from which we get our English word pharmaceutical. 
This year alone, pharmaceutical corporations have made hundreds of billions of dollars defrauding the nations by selling their merchandise. How many have been deceived? But making money is not the primary purpose of the deception. We read about the real purpose in Revelation 13, 12 to 15, where it says that he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth, and causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand, or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. There is much confusion, even among Christians, about this beast whose deadly wound was healed, that all must worship. Daniel the prophet told us that a beast in prophecy represents a political entity or system, one that exercises kingly power over the people. We are told that the beast is a multinational entity with a globalist agenda representing, quote, different peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues, unquote, Revelation 17, 15. And that it has the power to lead into captivity and kill with the sword. But the beast itself is not a religious institution. It is controlled by a religious institution in the same way that a horse is controlled by its rider. Revelation 17, 5-6 tells us that the beast is ridden by the woman, Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots. This woman is a religious entity because the Bible represents the church as the bride of Christ. And in this case, it's an adulterous woman. It is a mother church from which many offspring have sprung out. Revelation tells us she is drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And she protests that she didn't kill any martyrs. And it's true, she didn't. It is a church that has a long history of being drunken with the blood of heretics that the beast has put to death on her behalf. The beast is just Babylon's loyal servant. This is why we are told that ultimately it is not the beast but Babylon that reigneth over the kings of the earth in Revelation 17, 18. It is called the beast that was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit in verse 8. This is an ancient beast that was destroyed in the distant past only to re-emerge at the end of time like a phoenix arising out of its own ashes. We are told in Revelation 13 3 that its deadly wound was healed and the world wandered after the beast. And all will be amazed as they see this political entity reincarnate from the dark mists of time. What power could this be, this beast, that currently is not be? It's not the United Nations. The United Nations did not exist in the distant past. Neither has it ever had the power to imprison or execute people. The United Nations is only a tool of the beast. And if you know who controls the United Nations, and it's not the United States, you know who the beast is. From all these characteristics, the beast that was and is not can be none other than the political branch 
of that great church-state union called the Holy Roman Empire. A hegemonic, totalitarian union of church and various kingdoms that were ruled by what was called divine right. Each king was a vassal in the service of the church, a property manager of sorts. Its control existed much of the whole world, from the Americas in the west to Indochina in the Far East. It was considered the sword of the church. It was known as the ancient regime that for over 1,000 years reduced men and women into economic, political, mental and religious slaves, where serfs were like cattle, owning nothing that were kept for the benefit or common good of the elite. Whether you like it or not, the Great Reset has now been initiated into a supposedly new world order, an order that is considered more moral, where social justice prevails, an order where misinformation is suppressed, an order where people own nothing and are supposedly happy, an order where international solidarity and cooperation is mandatory, an order where the common good supplants individual freedom, an order that is carbon neutral and environmentally friendly, a world order that was, but is not, but shall indeed be. It is a world order that was known as the feudal dark ages, a world order where ignorance and superstition shaped public opinion, an order where facts were irrelevant, a world order where most children died of malnutrition and disease due to lack of public sanitary services, an order where justice was arbitrary, where compliance was compulsory, where freedom was non-existence and dissidence was punishable by death, an order that demanded absolute control of your goods, your body and your mind, an order where sorrow was the daily lot of the people. The beast out of the Dark Ages perfected the art of persecution against any and all dissenters. It, inter it invented cancel culture. For over 1,000 years, the only right of man was the right to think and act within certain boundaries. For those that had other ideas, it resorted to force when it could not bribe or deceive. For those it could not coerce, it invented the Inquisition. A system of terror, of secret laws, of disappearances, of secret dungeons, of secret courts, of secret evidence, of secret torture, of waterboarding, the rack, the stake. Liberty was only regained after a very long struggle and rivers of blood. When Napoleon's armies finally, in 1798, destroyed the Holy Roman Empire. How did the world rejoice when the beast that was, was finally no more? Since 1798, a hidden power has been working tirelessly behind the scenes to resurrect this long-gone beast and have now nearly accomplished their ends. You see, the beast cannot be fully restored while constitutionally granted individual rights and the rule of law stands in its way. They have been working on world leaders to re-establish its systems of laws, its systems of government, its forms of economic control. Wickedness has taken hold of positions in high places. 
over the last 20 years, laws that had been abolished over 200 years ago that facilitated the Inquisition have been quietly resurrected and reconstituted into the judicial systems of the Western world. Those that opposed it have been purged. The persecutions of the past are being revived. The time has come for the beast to rise from its ashes. The final steps in the restoration of the beast and its world order are now being taken. We are told the kings of this world would have, quote, one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. Revelation 17, 11. Almost without fail, this world's leaders have at once, as if by command, in lockstep, pursued the same policies and implemented them by force. Who can deny that world rulers now have one mind and have given their power and strength to implement a despotic global agenda. The prophecy said that the whole world would worship the beast. The word worship is translated from the Greek word proskuneo, from which we get the word prostrate, and which literally means to crouch low like a fawning dog crouching and licking his master's hand. Today, the irrational fear of COVID has been used by the rulers of the nations to train many to submit like dogs, to sacrifice their freedoms on the altar to the as yet invisible beast. What many thought to be impossible is now taking place before their very eyes. The beast is again rising out of the mists of time. Even though the beast has not yet come out of the shadows, they see the whole world wandering after the beast and applauding its rise for the common good. They see their freedoms being taken away from them. They see the beginning of a new dark ages settling upon the earth. The beast is not called the Holy Roman Empire today. But it is still the same beast. It is still ridden by the same harlot Babylon. It still has the same policies, the same goals, and the same methods of enforcing compliance. Listen carefully as the beast's feudal lord stipulated its policies. Pope Pius IX. The absurd and erroneous doctrines or ravings in the defence of liberty of conscience are a most pestilential error, a pest of all others most to be dreaded in a state. Listen to Pope Gregory XVI. The unrestrained freedom of thinking and openly making known one's thoughts is not inherent in the rights of citizens and is by no means worthy of favour and support. What about Pope Leo XIII in 1903? It is not lawful to demand, to defend or to grant unconditional freedom of thought or speech or writing or religion as if these were so many rights given by nature to man. Freedom of expression, freedom of conscience, freedom of thought were not tolerated. This policy is not just a relic from the distant past. It has been continuously urged since then. 1951, Pope Pius XII said, Individual liberty in reality is only a deadly anarchy. 
Vatican II in its document Gaudium et Spes, or The Church in the Modern World, 1965. It is imperative that no one indulge in a merely individualistic morality. The best way to fulfil one's obligations of justice and love is to contribute to the common good. Pope Pius XI, 1931, just freedom of action must be only on condition that the common good be preserved. That was in Quadragesimo Anno, or after four years. John the 23rd in 1963, this was the good Pope, by the way. Individual citizens and intermediate groups are obliged to make their specific contributions to the common welfare. One of the chief consequences of this is that they must bring their own interests into harmony with the needs of the community and must contribute their goods and services as civil authorities have prescribed. That was from Passam in Terrace. Today, the language has again changed a little, but the message is identical. Individual freedom or individualism can only be exercised for the common good. But you are not told that the common good can only exist in a feudal society. Society today is sick, we are told, because it has been infected with the deadly virus of individual freedom. The whole world is infected with a pandemic of individualism, says the Pope. But COVID-19 is the opportunity to rid the world of this dreaded pest of individual freedom, to reset society back to its feudal state, to reinstate the old regime. Listen to Pope Francis, May 12 this year. And I mean, he says, healing the cause of the evil and not just the symptoms. In these sick roots, we find the virus of individualism, which does not make us freer or more equal. On June 21, last year, CNN reported that Pope Francis has warned the world against returning to the illusion of individualism after the coronavirus pandemic ends. Francis later warned the people to be careful not to allow individualism to again become the guiding principle of society. The Pope here acknowledges that the walls of liberty that have barred the rise of the beast have been breached. And he warns against repairing them. He has declared that it is the obligation of politicians to enforce the common good at the expense of what he calls personal advantage. He said that any information that promotes individual freedom should be censored. He has said that advanced technologies should be used to control the people. Quoting from the Vatican News Service, August 27 this year, Politics must privilege the common good and not personal interest. Pope Francis said Friday, according to Vatican News, Pope Francis went on to praise the political vocation as serving the common good and placing the welfare of the community before our personal advantage. Yet, 
our age faces a daunting task of administering rapidly advancing technologies on behalf of the common good by means of policies and regulations, lawmakers can protect the spread of false information on social media. He said prudent legislation can guide the development and application of technology in the service of the common good. He said we need capable leaders inspired by the principle of the common good. The common good is not served by individual freedom of conscience. The advanced technologies of surveillance, of biometrics, artificial intelligence and pre-crime policing are being used to empower the beast, to suppress individual freedom, to identify and control all opposition. Add to these the planned rollout of global digital passports for locking you out of places of business and barring you from access to public services. And a digital currency that can be individually cancelled at will so that you cannot buy and sell. All those who would enjoy economic, political and religious freedom have cause to fear the rise of the beast. Because this time, armed with technology so advanced, surveillance of every individual so complete, freedom will never rise a second time. Today, rulers and politicians are encouraged, urged, bribed and even blackmailed to change laws and find ways to override constitutions and abolish individual freedoms. The rights of the individual must be subject to the interests of the state as defined by the elite. This used to be called the divine right of kings, a right granted by the head of the church that justified tyranny. Today, with the endorsement of the church, we invoke so-called science in the place of God to justify the very same kind of tyranny. In the past, those whose conscience and knowledge and reason led them to disagree with the beast were called heretics and considered enemies of the state. At first they were cancelled, then fined, imprisoned and finally put to death. Today, they are no longer called heretics, but they are still considered public enemies, spreaders of disinformation. They will suffer the same fate. Revelation 13:15 says, And he had power to cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. In Revelation 24, And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. You see, the beast relies on deception and force as the means for controlling the minds and bodies of men. In contrast, the principles of Christ are liberty, truth and reason. Isaiah 1.18, God says, Come and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Romans 14.5, Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. And 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We are told in the book of Revelation that the beast speaks great things and blasphemes God. It has certainly used the name of Christ to justify its tyranny. But what is blasphemy? John 10.33 says the Jews answered him for blasphemy. 
because thou, being a man, makest thyself God. The beast speaks blasphemy because it makes self equal to God. It claims the power to take away what God has given. God sent his son Jesus Christ into the world to make men free. Jesus came, Luke 4.18, to preach the gospel to the poor, to preach deliverance to the captives and to set at liberty. Jesus declared in John 18.36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. And Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And Galatians 5.13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. The beast reveals the very spirit of Antichrist. It claims the right to take away your freedom of movement, your freedom of association, your freedom of speech, your freedom of information, your property, your privacy, the inviolability of your body, your liberty of conscience, your freedom of religious belief and practice. It takes away all the liberties which God has endowed man and in the place of freedom grants certain privileges to those that worship its authority. This is the very essence of blasphemy. The policies and mandates that are being used to crush individual freedom all over the world are not, are not completely unprecedented. They are eerily similar to what a long time ago was known as papal interdict. About the year 1205, a power struggle developed between Pope Innocent III and King John of England. You see, the Pope wanted absolute control of the Church of England and denied the King's customary right as monarch to have a say in the appointment of archbishops. Given that archbishops wielded much political power, it was prudent that the chosen person could work cooperatively and closely with the king, not against the king. But the Pope decided that John's input into the matter was not for the common good. His rights being ignored, King John refused to grant the Pope's anointed Archbishop entry into England. In response, Innocent III excommunicated John and for the common good placed the entire nation under interdict. All church gatherings and religious services were banned, including the mass, weddings, funerals. Foreigners were forbidden from doing business or travelling to countries that were under interdict. This fearful sentence was considered by the people as similar to being barred from heaven. This was innocent's way of making everyday life so difficult for people that they would demand that King John submit to the Pope in order to get their lives back to normal. Or, if John would not submit, to have him overthrown by his own subjects. Listen to Innocent describe the purpose of his interdict. If it shall be necessary, through sentences of excommunication against their persons and of interdict against their lands, all backsliding being put to an end, they compel them to fulfil their vows. Innocent demanded absolute obedience. He said, every cleric must obey the Pope, even if he demands what is evil, for no man may judge the Pope. And for those that wanted freedom of conscience, he declared, anyone who attempts to construe a personal view of God 
which conflicts with church dogma must be burned without pity. And he practiced what he preached by launching a crusade to exterminate an entire nation of Christians that refused to bow to his presumed authority. And they did exterminate them. When confronted with the news that there were many genuine Catholics mingled among them, he commanded his generals to, quote, kill them all, for God knows his own. In spite of the interdict, the public refused to rebel against King John, who they saw as preserving their national rights. After six years, Innocent III became impatient and requested King Philip II of France to invade England to depose King John and bring England to submission. The fear of invasion brought King John to his knees. He agreed to surrender the entire kingdom of England to the Pope and become his vassal, his property manager, and recompense the church for all revenue lost during the interdict. Accepting the Pope as his feudal lord, King John was humiliated. The traditional liberties of England gone, about two years later, the barons of England rebel against him. To protect their liberties, they forced John to sign a document known as the Magna Carta, placing the country under rule of law. The king's power to violate the liberties of his subject at his will had been taken away. Pope Innocent was incensed because it violated his right to exercise absolute authority and power through his vassal king. He declared the charter, quote, not only shameful and demeaning, but illegal and unjust. As the Pope's vassal, John had placed his crown under the protection of the Pope, and so he immediately violated the terms of the Magna Carta by asking the Pope to help him. And the Pope immediately excommunicated all the rebel barons, which led to war. And this war was just the beginning of a long and bloody struggle between the freedoms of the people and the freedoms of those that rule over them to disregard and violate their liberties. A battle between the beast and God. A battle between tyranny and liberty. That struggle is now coming to a climax. Kill them all. God knows who are his. Does that sound like something is happening today? This satanic spirit is alive and well today. When faced with such a force, how many politicians would not submit to save their own neck like King John? Experimental biological agents are being used today to indiscriminately kill hundreds of thousands, if not millions of men, women and children. For the very same reason as before, to establish tyranny, whatever the cost. Tyranny demands a right to do as it pleases, by any means, without consequences. The power to kill without consequences is the ultimate power that anyone can have. And like before, we will never know the true number of those killed, because it will never be reported. Tyranny is founded in deception and prospers by coercion and persecution. Tyranny covers itself in a veil of goodness and truth and demands worship while representing those who oppose it as selfish or ignorant spreaders of heresy, which we now call disinformation. The beast from the past is now resurrecting. For now it stays in the shadows, acting in the background, 
but you can hear its roar and see the social devastation it is causing. The world's leaders have already given their minds and strength unto it. They are mandating a reset of society back to the Dark Ages, back to serfdom, back to the Inquisition. The COVID issue has accomplished much towards relieving you of your rights, of your goods, of your body, and even what information is allowed to enter your mind. But this is not enough. The beast wants to be worshipped. Like King John, it wants you to love your servitude. It wants you not just to obey, but it wants you to fawn over it like a dog crouching before its master and licking its hand. You see, a dog does not have the capacity to question its master, nor to judge the morality of his master's commands. The dog has no conscience. The only way for the beast to obtain this kind of worship is to control your conscience. And that can only be achieved by controlling your religion. The beast will only be fully restored when it has achieved religious control, when it has obtained legal power to control your worship. Its power will then be absolute. Pope Pius IX declared, The state has not the right to leave every man free to embrace whatever religion he should deem true. Cursed be those who assert liberty of conscience and of worship and such that maintain that the church may not employ force. The current health issue is only a rehearsal for the real test. Will you submit your personal convictions, your conscience to the beast? Will you worship it? Surrendering your mind, your conscience, your religious freedom to the beast is to reject the freedom that Christ died to give you. Only in setting itself above God, so as to remove and alter what God has said, can the worship of the beast be perfected. This is why we are told that the little horn, the one that rules over the ten kings, that join together with the beast, shall speak great words against the Most High and think to change times and laws. Every legal obstacle is now being removed to permit the times and the laws to be changed. World leaders are in concert calling for the laws of protect individual freedoms to be abolished and are doing all they can to circumvent them. When the protection of liberty by the rule of law is gone, God's law will be made void. Isaiah 24, 5 says, The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Why have they transgressed the laws? Why have they changed the ordinance? It is because God's law curbs their freedoms. It certainly does. In the same way that the United States Bill of Rights curbs the liberty of government to trespass upon the freedoms of the individual. God's law is a guarantee of your individual freedoms. It restricts all, both government and people, from violating the individual freedom of others. The Ten Commandments are God's Bill of Human Rights, which is why the Bible calls it the perfect law of liberty. James 1.25 But whoso looketh unto the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. 
This law of liberty contains the principles of true and complete liberty for all. It forbids those things that directly infringe on the individual liberty of others or that lead to its infringement indirectly. God's law of liberty is certainly not in the common interest of the wicked that want to infringe your liberty without restriction. They hate your liberty. They want to fool you. They tell you that what is good for them is good for you. That whatever is for your good but not theirs must be sacrificed for their common good. Using this flawed reasoning, the beast has worked together with the kings of the earth to cancel most of the principles of God's law of liberty in practice. All that remains now is for them to cancel them in law. Let's consider God's laws of liberty and how they have been made void. The first one we will consider is thou shalt not kill. God gave you life and only God has a right to take it from you. Yet today pharmaceutical companies with a long history of pushing unsafe drugs have been given a license to kill for profit. In 2009 Pfizer was fined 2.3 billion dollars and in 2013 Johnson and Johnson was fined 2.2 billion dollars for intentionally and criminally making false claims about their drugs. Now for their common good they are protected by governments against all liability for any death or any injury caused by their injections. According to the US Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, which records only about 1% of vaccine injuries. Twice as many have died from COVID injections this year alone, compared to all other vaccines over the last 30 years. And that 260 times more young people are dying from the injections than would have died from the virus. In Scotland, Official government data indicates that twice as many people have died due to the injections in the last six months than people who have died from COVID over the last 15 months. A report released in July this year by Public Health England, PHE, entitled SARS-CoV-2 Variants of Concern and Variants Under Investigation England Technical Briefing 16, revealed that the death rate from COVID for fully injected individuals was 0.63% or about 6.6 times higher than the uninjected. The actual death rate is many times higher as these numbers do not include those dying directly from side effects such as blood clots, heart attacks, strokes, multiple organ failure, immune system malfunction and many others whose deaths are purposely put down as just natural causes. Not only are the kings that serve the beast killing people through forced injections, but they're killing many others by forcing those who have not been injected to be denied medical care and by keeping them under house arrest. Doctors in Northern California say they have seen more deaths from suicide during the lockdowns than they've seen from the coronavirus. Add to this the legalised, taxpayer-subsidised murder of both young and old under the name of abortion and euthanasia. And you can see that today not only is killing licensed and subsidised, but mandated. The freedom from being arbitrarily killed has been made void. Your God-given right to life has been cancelled. Thou shalt not steal. God gave you the right to own private property and not have it taken from you. 
Today, city, state, national lockdowns and border restrictions have arbitrarily taken away the livelihoods of many without compensation. Their incomes have been stolen from them. The United Nations reports that COVID policies have caused a global loss of GDP or global income of about $3 trillion, which equates to about 380 US dollars or 550 Australian dollars on average from every man, woman and child on the planet. For the common good, they have pushed 124 million people into extreme poverty and an extra 320 million were deprived from adequate food and it has caused a potential increase of up to 45% in child mortality. And this does not include the untold billions of tax dollars that have been transferred to the accounts of pharmaceutical corporations for goods and services you don't need. It is not just your money that has been stolen. Your body is your private property, forcing you to do things to yourself that are known to reduce your physical and psychological well-being, such as wearing masks, such as being injected with experimental drugs and being locked down are stealing away your health. Your personal details, your whereabouts and medical records are also your private property and forcing you to reveal these to others is stealing your privacy. It is not the only way that your property is being legally stolen from you. Unprecedented government borrowing of hundreds of billions of dollars to mitigate initial backlashes against their policies has stolen the prosperity from your children and your grandchildren. COVID has been used as an excuse to put so much money into circulation that it is causing inflation to rise. And high inflation is a well-worn and very profitable way of stealing your savings. We have been told that in the future we should expect to be happy with owning nothing and the kings of the earth have been doing their best to make that happen. Your God-given right to being free from having your private property stolen from you or interfered with has been cancelled. Thou shalt not bear false witness. God gave you the right to be told the truth and to speak the truth. The right not to be falsely accused. Yet today, it is perfectly legal for police to lie to you, to lie about you and to impersonate you in order to stop any activity that may be allegedly considered illegal, such as peacefully protesting against the government. In August this year, a law was passed in Australia called the Identify and Disrupt Bill that grants the police this right. Police entrapment based on lying to you and making false accusations against you is common in many places. Official propaganda based in outright lies and half-truths is legally sanctioned. The use of manipulated statistics, fraudulent tests, the misrepresentation of facts, false attributions, doublespeak and just blatant lies are legitimised as psychological warfare considered necessary for the common good. For example, we are told that the injections protect you from COVID and stop its spread and that it is spread by the uninjected. But the fact is that the majority of those catching, spreading and becoming seriously ill and dying of COVID have all been fully injected. In spite of the official propaganda, that the injections are safe and effective. On September 24, the BBC released an article titled COVID-19 in Wales, a third of positive cases are unvaccinated. However, the reporting goes on to confirm that 87% of all COVID hospitalizations are among either fully or partially injected. 
In Sydney, the government has reported that seven out of eight of all COVID hospitalisations are among those that have been injected. The many lies are somehow all for the common good. Not only is false witness being borne about the safety and effectiveness of the injections, but to cover up their lies, false witness is borne against the uninjected, accusing them of being a danger to the injected. If this accusation is true, then why is it that in the United States, all members of Congress, all of their staff, and the staff of the senators, and all the White House employees, and all of the employees of Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson, all employees of the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, and the FDA, the Federal Drug Administration, every single one of them has been exempted from having to take the injection. At least 150,000 people are exempt. Clearly, what is for their common good is not for your common good. Revelation tells us that the world will be deceived into submitting to the beast. False witness is the cornerstone of this deception upon which the beast's throne is established. Today, those who speak the truth are censored, while those that bear false witness are promoted. Your God-given right to the truth has been cancelled. Thou shalt not covet. God gave you the right to be free from the greed and envy of others. The beast covets the power to take away from you what you have, so that it can use it to buy political support by rewarding the covetousness of both the rich and the poor. To buy the allegiance of the poor, the beast promises a universal basic income to all that covet the fruit of the labour of others. The rich and powerful accomplices of the beast, multinational corporations such as pharmaceutical companies, churches and other special interests such as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation covet your money. It is directly being transferred into their bank accounts through unapportioned taxation to ensure their cooperation. The beast does not just covet the power to dispose of your goods as it wishes, but it covets the worship that is due only to God. It covets the power and authority of God. It wants to occupy the place of God. And we noted before that blasphemy is making oneself out to be God by claiming the prerogatives and authority of God. Revelation 7.13 tells us that the beast is full of names of blasphemy. And 13.5 says that there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. Your right to be free from others coveting your property has already been cancelled. Your right to be free from the beast coveting the power of God over you and command your worship will soon also be cancelled. Thou shalt not commit adultery. God gave you the right to have a faithful spouse and to grow up in a stable home. Today, the whole concept of marriage till death do us part has been cancelled. The laws permit and the legal system encourages divorce for any reason, which alone causes adultery, as Jesus said in Luke 16:8, Whosoever putteth away his wife and marries another committeth adultery, and whosoever marries her that is put away from her husband committeth adultery. How many families have been destroyed? How many lives have been lost because of adultery? The laws of the land now require little children in schools to be induced into immorality at a very early age. Very few, if any, of those who are induced will be faithful in marriage. Your right to be free from adultery and its consequences have been cancelled. The right of children to grow up in a stable home has been cancelled. But it is much more than this. 
because the Bible uses the metaphor of marriage to describe the intimate relationship between Christ and his people. Spiritual adultery is when Christians submit to and seek support and protection from someone other than Christ. Spiritual adultery is soliciting the state to perform the duties that belong to Christ. The beast deceives the nations to commit spiritual adultery to submit themselves to it instead of God, to obtain peace and safety by surrendering to it their God-given liberties. When the state coerces you to seek peace and safety from it instead of God, your right to be free from spiritual adultery has been cancelled. Honour your mother and your father. God gave you the right to be respected by your children. In a society where there is no respect for parents, nor parental rights, there is no respect for anyone or for anything. Yet today in schools, children are taught to disrespect their views and the values of the parents. They encourage to report on their parents. Laws encourage and assist children in defying their parents' wishes in regard to sexual issues. They say familiarity breeds contempt. So the right of parents to be respected is the right to be respected even by those who may hold you in contempt. Your right to be respected by those who may hold a different opinion from you has been cancelled. But ultimately it is to God whom we owe honour. The beast demands that you honour and obey it in the place of God. When the beast coerces you to disobey God, your right to honour your Father which is in heaven will have been cancelled. The beast is not satisfied with cancelling all of these God-given secular liberties. It wants to command your worship and it cannot do so without taking away your religious freedom. The beast cannot take that away until all your secular rights have first been taken away. Your right to private property, your right to be free from false accusation, etc. While your secular rights remain in place, you can use them to resist attempts to curtail your religious freedom. But when they are gone, how will you defend your liberty of conscience? All of these liberties are now being taken away. You will be left with no defence against the coming mandate to worship the beast. After your secular rights are gone, the kings of the earth together with the beast will need to cancel some more of your God-given liberties in order to command your worship. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. God gave you the right to worship him free from interference from government. The word gods here used does not only refer to pagan deities. It is also reused in the Bible to refer to those in positions of power. John 10:34 says, Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, ye are gods? This commandment makes obedience to men subordinate to God. It guarantees freedom of conscience. It grants you the liberty from being forced to submit to government in matters pertaining to God. It especially forbids governments regulating your worship when Jesus said, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's, God forever set aside the authority of the state over matters of religion. The beast wants the opposite. It wants to unite the kings of this world to force you to render to Caesar the things that are God's. For example, what enters into your body is a matter between you and God. 
Colossians 2.16 says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink. That is not to say that we cannot recommend a healthy diet and condemn junk food. It is to say that those in power cannot force others what to eat or what to drink. It is a matter between them and God. The same principle applies to injections. Yet your freedom of conscience in matters of health is being taken away. And this is only a precedent to later take away your freedom of conscience in matters of religion. When the state coerces you to bow before the beast by interfering with your right to worship God according to your own conscience, this commandment will be made void. For now, freedom of religion nominally remains in place, but it will not remain so for long. Soon your right to render to God what is God's and not have any other God before him will have been cancelled. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. This is the right to be free from religious deception. Something vain is something that is useless, often deceptively so. It is more than just using God's name falsely or irreverently or blasphemously. Taking the name of the Lord in vain means to use religion deceptively. This commandment bans using a cloak of religion to cover wickedness. It outlaws those that use religion to deceive others into sin. There are two reasons why the beast, who is the enemy of God, will take the name of the Lord in vain. First, the beast does not just want your servile compliance. It doesn't just want your admiration and respect, but it wants to control your conscience. It commands obedience through fear. It obtains your admiration and respect through deception, but it can only control your conscience through religion. And it must use the name of the Lord to do so. Secondly, while the beast's political agents do not all identify as Christian, the ancient institution called Mystery Babylon that rides the beast does. This harlot claims the name of Christ as her moral authority to rule over the kings of the earth, and the beast relies on her to direct its policies. As religion is the ultimate authority for the beast's policies, it must appeal to religion to regulate your conscience. Just this week, one day before the Governor of New York's mandate, ordering employees to fire all healthcare workers who were not injected, before that went into effect, she declared, quote, God wants you to get the vaccine. She said that God made them come up with a vaccine that is from God to us, and we must say, thank you, God. Thank you. Adding that, quote, you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know who they are. End quote. Now, if God really wanted you to take an injection that is designed to defile the way your DNA works, why would his word declare, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are? The Bible warned us of this in Galatians 2.4, where, paraphrasing, it says, some would falsely claim to be Christians and come among us to spy on the freedom that Jesus has given us in order to make us slaves to the beast. The beast claims Babylon's religious authority as its justification for overturning the laws of God and taking away the liberty that God has given us. 
Speaking of this, God declares in Psalms 50:16, But unto the wicked God said, What hast thou to do to declare my statutes, or that thou shouldst take my covenant in thy mouth? While the commandment thou shalt not have any other God before me grants liberty from those who would have the power to force you to give the beast what is due only to God. This commandment grants liberty from those who are in a position to deceive you into giving the beast what is due only to God. The first protects you from those that want you to receive the mark of the beast in the hand. This commandment protects you from those who want you to receive it in the forehead. For now, the beast is preoccupied with eliminating legal protections for individual freedom and making everyone financially dependent to better control them. It is stripping you of your rights, of your property and your body, but soon it will attempt to regulate your conscience and your thoughts. When it claims Christianity as a justification to take away the liberty that Christ has given you, your right to be free from the Lord's name being taken in vain will have been cancelled. Thou shalt not make any graven image. Thou shalt not bow down to them or serve them. This commandment does not just forbid the use of idols in worship, whether they be statues of pagan deities or Christian saints, but also the worship of institutions in the place of God. A graven image is something that is man-made, that is a likeness of something, a replica of something. It is not just an idol in the traditional sense of the word, a statue or a painting. It can be an institution or an organisation that imitates or replicates the defining characteristics of the original. The highest form of worship is imitation. We read in Revelation about an image of the beast being formed and all being forced to worship it. Revelation 13, 11 to 15. And I beheld another beast coming out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by the sword and did live. And he had power to cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And we must first recognise that a beast in the Bible prophecy, as we read in Daniel 7, is a political entity, a nation state. Here in Revelation we see another beast, or another nation state, one that looks benign. It looks like a lamb, a symbol of Christ, that rises out of the earth about the time that the first beast comes to its end in 1798. The word translated here as earth is in contrast to the first beast that rises out of the sea and means a relatively unpopulated part of the earth. This nation that under its benign appearance is really a dragon is a nation that would rain fire down from heaven upon its enemies. Napalm, white phosphorus, hellfire missiles and nuclear bombs. This nation would make its own citizens submit to the policies and agenda of the first beast. More than this, it would deceive its own citizens into amending their laws and constitution to imitate those of the first beast, to replicate its legal system, to cancel the First Amendment, to eliminate legal protections for liberty. When freedom of religion exists only as permitted by the state, 
as directed by the daughters of Babylon, it will have made an image to the first beast. When the United States transforms itself into an image of the first beast and forces all to worship it, its national apostasy will be complete. It will have rejected the liberty that once made it the light of the world, the liberty that Christ died to give. Your right to be free from bowing down or serving graven images will have been cancelled. And the last one, the last great principle of freedom. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labour and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. This commandment grants us the freedom from overwork, the freedom to weekly rest. But more importantly, the Sabbath day is a token of liberty. Being able to keep the Sabbath according to your conscience is the evidence that some freedom still remains. Aside from coercion, no secular factor, not health, not safety, not financial factors, no ecological factors, no political interests are involved in the keeping of the Sabbath. There is no legitimate reason for any of these considerations to impinge on the keeping of the Sabbath. It is purely a religious test, a test of whom you worship. When all pretexts are stripped away, the argument that keeping a state-mandated day is necessary for the common good is seen to be absolute nonsense. While God's law in general is the guarantor of liberty, the right to keep the Sabbath according to your own conscience is the last banner of freedom. While your freedom to keep God's Sabbath remains, the beast cannot be fully restored. It cannot assume the place of God. Romans 14, 5-6 says, One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord he doth not regard it. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he shall stand or fall. While this verse is not specifically talking about the weekly Sabbath, the principles still apply. Your keeping of the Sabbath or any other holy day is of no man's concern but only God's. It is not the government's business to interfere with your keeping of the Sabbath. Whoever makes your keeping of the Sabbath a concern to them is taking the place of God. Like the matter of meat or drink, this does not imply that the issue of the Sabbath should never be discussed or debated. The Sabbath is a day set aside for rest and worship in regard to or in honour of the Creator. Anything or anyone wanting to be honoured in the place of God must by default appoint another Sabbath of its own making for rest and worship. The beast wants to stand in the place of God before you. It accordingly wants you to regard its Sabbath instead of God's Sabbath. It demands a right to mandate which day must be regarded as the Sabbath. It demands a right to set aside your persuasion, your freedom of conscience in the matter, the right to judge and condemn those that disagree with it over this question. But the keeping of the Sabbath is more than just an indication that religious liberty still persists. It is a sign of whom we worship. The Bible declares that the Sabbath is the seal of God's law of liberty. Ezekiel 20.20 My Sabbaths shall be a sign between me and you, that ye may know that I am the Lord thy God. If the keeping of the Sabbath is a sign that you worship God rather than men, 
the beast will not permit you to keep it. It will make all, both small and great, free and bond, to keep a Sabbath of its own making. Keeping the Sabbath of the beast will be the sign that you consent to the beast's authority to change all of God's times and laws, to cancel all of God's given liberties. The Sabbath will be the test. It will be the sign, the mark, the evidence of whom you worship. The Sabbath day will be a sign of whether you are free in Christ or a slave to the beast. Those who worship the beast will keep its Sabbath. It will be the passport that will permit them to buy and sell. As Revelation 13, 17 says, And that no man may buy or sell, save him that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Like those today that do not have the mark of being injected, like they are feared and even hated as public enemies, those that will not have the mark of the beast will be treated in the same way. When you are forbidden from keeping the Sabbath of the law, God's law of liberty will have been made fully void. The crisis in justice and liberty will have reached its peak. With surveillance so sweeping, with control so complete, there will be no escape, nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. The Bible says in Matthew 24, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. And except those days be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. The beasts and the kings of this world will go to war against those that refuse to submit to their mandates, that refuse to worship its authority. As Revelation 13, 7 says, And it was given unto him, the beast, to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. As Jesus said in Matthew 24, 9, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And Mark 13, 12, Jesus said, Now the brother shall betray the brother to death. And the father, the son, and the children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. This will be the last straw. The patience of God with a wicked and adulterous generation will have come to an end. God will arise out of his place to restore liberty to his people and to punish the beast and those that worship it. As Psalms 119, 126 says, For it is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. The Lord will awaken as a mighty man out of his sleep and punish the beast and those that worship it for its blasphemy and its wickedness in depriving the world of the liberty that Christ died to give. Isaiah 26, 21, For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. In Acts 17, 31, Because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world. Jude 14, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all. And 2 Thessalonians 1.78 The Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Psalms 9.8-10 And he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. 
Christ will come with the armies of heaven to save all those that have refused to worship the beast, that have refused to give up their liberty and destroy all the kings of the earth that have united with the beast to make void his law. It says in Revelation 19.11, And I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness does he judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And his, the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in white linen, fine and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant was slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth. And all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Yet Christ does not want any to perish. Not even those who have been deceived by the beast. Ezekiel 33.11 says, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why shall ye die? And 2 Peter 3.9, For the Lord is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Before Christ comes to destroy the beast, and all those that worship it, God sends a final warning. Revelation 14, 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation, and kindred, and tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. And worship him that made heaven and earth, and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image, and receive his mark on his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. What is the everlasting gospel? Is it that you only need to believe in Jesus even while being deceived by the beast or cowardly submitting to its authority? Is it that you can be saved while you disregard God's law of liberty and deprive others of the freedoms Christ died to give them? No. The everlasting gospel is that those who fear the coming hour of God's judgment can be saved from perishing through repentance. As Mark 1.14 says, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe. The everlasting gospel is not that salvation is by faith alone, 
For without repentance there is no salvation at all. The words here translated repent and believe mean continual ongoing experience. Just as faith is not a momentary thing, neither is repentance. To repentance is a lifelong, ever-deepening experience. Acts 17 13 says, God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. It is those that are repenting, that are broken in spirit, that are broken in heart that God saves. Broken because they know they have violated God's law of liberty and deprived others of the liberty that Christ died to give them. Broken because they know that there is nothing good in themselves and that without Christ they cannot overcome the beast. Broken because they know that the path of the cross lies before them. A way of self-denial they must travel. Of ever greater sacrifices they must make if they would refuse to worship the beast. A narrow, difficult and perilous way that their souls shrink from that they cannot walk without God's help every moment of every day. Broken because they know that while their spirit is willing, their flesh is weak. Theirs is a continual, lifelong brokenness. But Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth them as of a contrite spirit. And Isaiah 66, 2, But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word, saith the Lord. Do you tremble before God's word? The beast and those that worship it do not. They ignore and despise God's word. They do not tremble before the coming hour of God's judgment. They see no need for repentance. They do not fear God's judgment, but they will submit out of fear to the beast's mandates. They will not surrender to the word of God, but put themselves above God's word. They use it for their own gain. They use it to set aside God's perfect law of liberty. Romans 1.18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Holding the truth does not help you. This test will come in a way that few people expect. How many were caught by surprise by the events of this past year? How many were at first misled by all the so-called experts into giving up their freedoms? Yet now that the agenda is exposed, how many need to be coerced into compliance? Most will at first be misled into accepting a fake Sabbath, goaded on by religious leaders. Once people realise that they are being deceived into worshipping the beast, they will be forced into submission. That no man might buy or sell, save that he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Preparations take away your freedom of religion are now almost fully complete. The mark of the beast will soon be upon us. The noble apostle of Christ, Peter, declared, we ought to obey God rather than men. Oh, this time is very near, even at the doors. A time that will test men's souls. A time that will reveal whether you are on the side of tyranny or on the side of Christian liberty. A time that will reveal who shall inherit the earth made new and who shall have the part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. In the summer, all trees appear green. 
But when the blasts of winter come, the distinction between evergreen and perennials is made clear. The darkness of winter is now settling upon the land. How many will shed their leaves? Will you bow to the beast and deny Christ? You see, the scripture tells us that there will be a great falling away. Many walk in the way when it is easy and wide, but few will walk in it when it becomes difficult and straight. The forms of Christianity may persist, but the life-giving liberty is gone. When you lose your employment, when everything is taken from you, when you are cast into jail, when you are threatened with death, will you share in Christ's sufferings? Will you assert your liberty in Christ or will you submit to the authority and mandates of the beast? 2 Thessalonians 2.3 Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, shall not come except there come a falling away first that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Christ warned that there would be a separation of those who are truly his and those with only an appearance of being his. He declared that among those who are waiting for his coming are like ten virgins waiting for the coming of the bridegroom. Five are wise, but five are foolish. It is not possible to distinguish between the wise and the foolish during the daytime, but at midnight during the world's darkest hour, just before Christ's coming, the distinction would be made clear and the foolish were shut out of the kingdom. Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven was like a man sowing good seed in his field when an enemy sowed tares, that when immature were almost indistinguishable from the wheat. Christ is going to send his angels to gather out of his kingdom all those that claim to be his, and think they are saved while they worship the beast in his image and cast them into the lake of fire. He will separate the wheat from the tares, the wise from the foolish, the workers of iniquity from the righteous. The vast majority who claim to worship God will consent to changing God's appointed times and laws. They may talk about the new covenant, they may talk about God's laws, but when the crisis comes, to save their lives, they will wickedly violate God's covenant by submitting to the beast. And Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. And many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. The final test is coming. The test that will determine who will receive the mark of the beast or the seal of God. Only those who value the liberty that Christ died to give all, who love God's law of liberty above all else, will pass the test. It does not matter who you are, whether you're a believer or not, whether you've been injected or not, whether you keep God's law or not, whether you keep God's Sabbath or not, unless we have not just faith, but true repentance will be in harmony with the beast and will end up receiving the mark of the beast. Only those that are pleading with God in brokenness of heart and spirit to give them the victory over the beast, his image, 
his mark and the number of his name will overcome. Only those that fear God above men will refuse to worship the beast. Only those with the peril of their lives, like Daniel's three friends that preferred to be cast into the fiery furnace rather than give up their own liberty and violate God's law by worshipping the golden image, will not receive the mark of the beast. We are now witnessing the restoration of the feudal multinational beast that was destroyed by Napoleon's armies in 1798. The beast that made all men political, economic and religious slaves. The liberties that since then have kept that beast in the tomb of history are now being sacrificed on Babylon's altar of the common good. COVID has been the tool used to prise open the coffin of medieval tyranny and let it out. Pandora's box has been opened. Phoenix is again rising from its ashes. The beast is now emerging from the bottler's pit of time. We are witnessing the beginning of sorrows. We are standing on the very threshold of the great tribulation. The hour of God's judgment, when he will come to punish the beast and all those that together with it make void God's law of liberty, that receive his mark is very near, even at the doors. When, for the common good, your religious freedom is taken from you. When you are coerced to keep the beast's Sabbath and your right to keep God's Sabbath is cancelled, God's law of liberty will have been fully made void. It will then be time for him to work and he will come to punish the world for its iniquity. Jesus came the first time saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But I say to you now, Repent, for the hour of his judgment is come. For except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish.